I'd love Greta, to see them. Greta Thunberg came oh, yeah. out, who I'm a huge fan of. <laughs> and, she, and she was there, and she's like, bless her, she's like 18, 19 years old, and she's reading this like really great speech that she's done. Yeah. And someone behind us just goes, Play Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when we used to do walk in? So we'd like walk yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't really ought to laugh. Yeah, there was. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, go on then. Go on then. How was Glastonbury? Amazing. Amazing. I laughed. I cried. Mm. I, I ran around. Uh, it's it's beautiful. You Very, ran. Yeah, you just like running around. Yeah, I didn't run. Do you know people do run, which is insane. Well, well like, like there like are Glastonbury joggers. running clubs. People who get up and run. I, well, people who like, if they go to Glasgow, they have to do some jogging. Otherwise, yeah. they're going to not enjoy the, the psychos who like that's their high. What happens if it's a muddy year? I, I, I can't. Yeah, actually, we lose three men. <laughs> yeah, the logistics of it are like too much to okay. process. But people do run. It was, it was great. It's always great. I mean, I've only been twice now, but it's. Yeah. It's always you know, do you know what I feel like? I feel like that guy in Life of Brian. You remember like Life of Brian with the prisoner? Vaguely. You know, and uh, when Brian gets thrown, thrown in with the prisoner and he's like, um, at, you know, at the end when they're carrying the crucifixes and, he, and you just see him being like, you so lucky, lucky <laughs> bastards. <laughs> you you know, he gets thrown in the cell yes, with the prison, yeah, and, he, and he's I just remember. like, oh, this is horrible. They, they, they spat in my face. Spat in the face? I'd love to be spat in the face. I've been in here 20 years and they, they only hung me the right way up yesterday. I don't, I don't know how, how you even watch it on TV. It's like two... Oh, yeah, Glastonbury. Yeah. I can tell you having watched it on TV many years, that, <laughs> that, that it, it, the, the vibe, however watered down, it still comes through. Does it? There's this glow of just watching Glastonbury. People just warm and I don't and care happy. if it's the pyramid stage, the park stage, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's just coming through and it's a vibe, you know. I, I feel it. It's got a go. Glastonbury weekend, even when I'm watching it from is like an event. I'm like, clear my schedule. There will be no films tonight. <laughs> yes. There will have to be Glastonbury, although I did watch a film. Ali Plum hosts, he runs a film tent there at Glastonbury. I didn't find Makes it. Sense. There Makes are whole sense. parts of the festival I just never find because it's mm. so big. But he does a whole film thing there. I don't think I would go, much as I love Ali Plum. Because you're going to turn the film part of your brain off. Yeah. And you're just going to be like, doo, doo, so who'd you see? Go on, who'd you see? Uh, saw Kendrick Lamar on the Sunday night. Very, did you see the ending of his show? I read about it. Yeah. <laughs> I read, I'm so, read I'm about so it wet. in the Financial Times. <laughs> well, like, well, everyone what was sendry ending. Yeah, it was it was very classic, Glasto, yeah. politicized. Everyone yep. was doing their thing on Roe versus Wade. Of course. Like Olivia Rodrigo did a thing with Lily Allen. Yep, they did that. the FU and Kendrick Lamar did this. Vet. His show was like all the way Kendrick performance. Is, just yeah, brilliant. Yeah, he's and he did this thing. He's like, thank God for women's rights. And then just like, done. Done. Yeah. Everyone thought it wasn't over and he just pieced off. Yeah, leave, leave, it, leave it on that. Yeah, Think yeah. That. It was very good. You didn't um, go see Paul McCartney? I didn't. So you know, you know what? I know before that might have sounded like a naff question, but actually mm. I watched the set, obviously. Mm. Got the biggest crowd in one of Glasgow's history, I think. His sure. night, and it was a fucking good set. So and, I heard it was awful. On the contrary. So I've heard, really? so this is the thing. I heard people, people who, who say it's brilliant. Yeah. So my sister went, caught 10 minutes, and she was like, bless him. Mm. Amazing artist. Mm. Sounds awful. Look, well, yeah, I'm yeah. totally going to give it. Paul McCartney, easily one of the greatest songwriters, musicians sure, sure. of all time. Sure. You asked me to see it 30 years ago, were I alive? <laughs> yeah. I'd been like, hell yeah. Okay. In 2022. I'm not you know losing sleep over, over and also like I'm not the biggest Beatles fan. So I, like, I totally accept personality wise, but I just was like, yeah. Who's seen said? Megan the Stallion. Oh, okay, fair, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very different vibes. Yeah. I mean, Paul McCartney, I She sung Wet Ass Pussy and wow. Was I that cried. A Paul McCartney song? <laughs> yeah. I swear he plays it. That, that and let it be. Yeah. No, I no, fair enough. Um I 
I do think there were some issues with the sound, uh, at least from sitting from home. Really? On, on the pyramid stage, I tried, Sam Fender and Wolf Alice. Oh. They, I watched both of them and I was like, there's something wrong with the sound here oh, because really? like, I, th- it just wasn't coming through. I, I listened to uh, the Wolf Alice do, how can I make it? Um, how can I make it okay? Yeah. That's a great, great one of theirs. I yeah. love it. And then when it dropped, it was like out of tune and stuff. And I think that really? something was up, clearly. Yeah. Have you not seen the TikTok where the guy has uh, caught the... Um, the, the pyramid stage, it's a wide shot. And in the corner, very in the corner, there's this guy in a high vis jacket yelling at the sound tower. And this guy has been able to deduce what the guy's yelling. And it's going, and he, the guy's going, Turn the fucking bass down! Turn the bass down! Fuck's sake! <laughs> Apologies for the swearing there, but it's, um, it's verbatim. It's brilliant. It was, I can't believe I remember who it was before. Oh, it was before Haim, who also brilliant. Oh, um, Greta, Greta Thunberg came oh, yeah. out, who I'm a huge fan of. <laughs> and, she, and she was there, and she's like, bless her, she's like 18, 19 years old, and she's reading this like really great speech that she's done. Yeah. And someone behind us just goes, Play Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> not, we were so far back that she yeah, never no, heard, no. so it was funny. But like a good 50 of us around her just yeah, started yeah. laughing. No, that is funny. <laughs> good festival banter, oh. always around. So well, I'm very jealous that you went, and I'm, I'm sad I didn't go. I would love to have seen that. Come not that I had a year. chance of going, well, I'd love to try. Yeah. I'll, give it, I'll give it the college try. Yeah. But I also don't want to You my have to get annoyingly organized to do it. You have to get like spreadsheets mm. out and codes, and you have to paste each other. Mm. It has to be loyalty. If someone else decides mm. to go in a different group as well as yours, they ruin it for everyone. It's mm. like. Groups have been smashed and burned to pieces, <laughs> but we'll get you in. Um, fair enough. I feel bad for saying the Paul McCartney set was good now. I mean, I have no idea. I wasn't there. Yeah. I watched it on my sofa at one o'clock in the morning. I definitely had a film conversation with someone. Was it Paul McCartney? No. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine? <laughs> no, it was like I probably 5 a.m. Oh, sun was coming up. I'm like walking back from the southeast corner. I can't remember what. I. Someone... I don't actually remember, but I remember having a film conversation with someone for five minutes, and then I was like, I really want to leave this conversation. Yeah. Oh, was it like a hot take, or was it like a, no, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is Fight Club, yeah? It literally, it was something like that, yeah. And I, I nibbled, uh, and then I was like, oh, no. I'm sorry, mate, yeah. I'm just going to have to, yeah. I have my outlet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, this is, is it. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, well, welcome back, you lucky bastard. <laughs> I definitely um, appreciate you more when we've been a week apart, you know? Okay. Like, every week I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, okay, here we go again. Then a week out, I'm like, yeah, pop kitchen, let's go, let's record. <laughs> you said that in such a backhanded way. I don't, I, I, how can you I know? take that as a compliment? <laughs> Read the emails. No, I mean, Read like, the emails. Either way, let's go through some of the emails that we had this week. If you want to write into the show, you can do by writing into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Just like Ben did. Ben writes, hey guys, Ben from hey ben. Dundee here. Oh, nice. How are you, George? How are you? I'm, I'm great, Ben. Thank you. I hope you're well too. There you go. Uh, listen to your Bad Movie Endings podcast and straight away well, one sprung to mind. Hang on, just let. It was actually just generally movie endings. Yes. Some good, some bad. I don't know why I'm getting defensive. Carry on, Ben. <laughs> one sprung to mind. One sprung to mind, knowing. I know oh, what you might expect yeah. from a Nicolas Cage film, but this one felt like it had the potential to be a good late night easy watch thriller. The movie mm. shows a little girl who is able to predict disasters with code, yeah. including date, time, and location of the disaster before they happen. The movie builds with Nick running around trying to get to these disasters before they happen yeah. and work out why this girl knew all this information. Why? The whole movie builds to an ending revealing, spoilers, 
it was all aliens. Yes. Such a cop-out yeah. ending. P.S. Love the pod. Big kiss. Thanks, Ben. Um, yeah, no, I, have, I have, have, you, have you seen it? I have seen Before, Knowing. Yeah. I, I remember it being a real sort of... I mean, and I saw it when I was like 13. And even when I was 13, I was like, there's no way they can get away with that. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. It's like in the last... Even I know that's not good. It, it gets like um, gradually, gradually and gradually a bit more ridiculous, just scene by yes. scene. And then in the last, I'd say, 15 minutes, it's like the screenwriter just went... <laughs> and it just goes like nuts and they're all aliens and they all die and they live on a new world happily ever after and they even have like a cgi bit where they land on the new world yeah. it's like it's like an avatar smurfs knockoff i like to think he just had ideas all over the walls yeah. and it was just and this and this happens and the code and then he's like his wife walked in i could be a female writer it's like yeah you need to rate this in and yeah. she just wrote alien done or file said they had it all written out it was all great and then nick cage comes in and says i got an idea I know how to end it. I know how to. Oh, Nick, we've got the ending already. No. (laughs) So, knowing God, yeah. Yeah, What a a a car crash. Rose Uh, Burns in that before Bridesmaids. Really? In a a serious role, and she dies in a car crash in it. Okay. I believe. Since we're doing spoilers. Yeah. (laughs) Don't worry. Let's ruin it. If you had yet seen knowing, don't worry. Um, This one's from Andrew. Hi, guys. I found your channel through TikTok and then binged all the episodes on YouTube whilst working from home. I'm currently on the underrated actor episode. Cool. My question for you is, with the success of the Disney Plus Marvel series, are there any movie book franchises you think would be better suited as a series? For example, Harry Potter, in my opinion, would have worked much better as a high-budget HBO series. Each book film could have been a season. More time for more details and story progression, etc. What do you think? Love the show. Keep up the good work. Also, what happened to the food segments? Right, first question. Well, <laughs> the food. We talked about the food last week. We did address uh, like, like It might come back. It, uh, it genuinely might come back. We, get, we actually get more questions that I would have anticipated about yeah. the food we did not think the food would be missed it's just you know time 50 percent of our production budget not budget 50 percent of our production time no went on food there is no budget <laughs> as you can tell 50 percent of our production went on the food but for only five percent of our actual airtime was on and the for food. the value you and i can provide i yes. think i know a lot more about films than i do about it, food it is true and that was becoming apparent but food food i i want food to come back on the channel whether or not it's a part of this podcast is a huge tvc the food the food's cooking it's just not out yet. It's cooking, but food's it, cooking. It, Anyway, to answer your question about, about the, hey, yo, the food's cooking, it's just over there. Just... Uh, to answer your question about um, any series, movie yeah. franchise. Well, Harry Potter, that would have been great. The only thing is, is that would have taken 10 years and yes. requires a massive amount of planning well, and, for, and foresight. No, I know, no, but, but like, like, like with HBO, like we're doing Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is the obvious, obvious comparison. Um, to be honest, like any I, I mean, that's HBO what, series is usually good. I think that whenever I see a really, really big long film, so when I saw Dune, I was like, great. I think it would have been a great series. Mm. And when I saw um, The Irishman, I was like, that is basically four episodes. Yes. That's a, that's a four episode mini Limited series. series, yeah. Just crunched into a film. Mm. And uh, I've only seen The Irishman once. And it was a bit of a slog. Mm. And I think- I've like, never got round to it. I think honestly, you could, there's the, a guy at the time tweeted, and this is absolute sacrilege to Martin Scorsese, and I really hate saying it. A guy tweeted at the time, he was like, if you want to watch it in four parts, this is when you pause it. And he, he, really? he described it. And fair. I, I think it's totally fair because narratively it works. And I, it, it's just so rich and compact. When, I think when you've broken, there's like a three hour watermark, right? Once you've gone over the three hour bit, that's like over Return of the King. You know, yeah. when, you, when you're in the like Lawrence of Arabia yes. kind of territory. Deserving. Yeah. Like we're here because yeah. we, there's a big reason why. Lawrence of Arabia can get away with that because it's old. Yeah. <laughs> if you're making a film for Netflix in this day and age, at that length, mm. Marty could have been a show. Mm. And it would have just been as good. 
It's um, interesting that people have like a solid to, you've asked us what we want to be into TV shows, but what we're now thinking of what, what films, what like the other way around now, what we would rather were shows than. That, oh, wait, that, no, the question? that is the question. Sorry. Read it, James, <laughs> and understand it. I don't know what I'm saying. Interestingly about, you know, taking Glass what in the brain. Listen to you. <laughs> Absolute twerp. <laughs> I've been in a field for I four just, days. I listen to you. Like, <laughs> You're still at Megan the Stallion. Sorry. Yeah. Finish the, finish the point. Um, my point was that, you know, interesting, we're going to talk about Kenobi later, but about the idea of whether or not something should have been maybe like not drawn out to six episodes. That is a, a yes. Film. We're going to talk yeah, about, we'll about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Good well, it would have already been out now. But. Yes, uh, just on Harry Potter, um, I've talked about Fantastic Beasts. You can go back and listen to my review. But I thought the Fantastic Beasts films were going to go to the US magic school Ilvermorny, but they haven't yet. I, I think there is space for, in my very cynical, let's make everything into a series brain, yeah. would be down for a Ilvermorny series. Because right. in the first Fantastic Beasts film, they did a bit of like American politics and the US magic system was like really dark. And I wonder if that would work as like, let's explore that whole side of it. You're turning up your nose at it. And oh, like, I, I mean, I, I'm not part of Hearing that. myself say it, I'm like, I actually don't I just, want this. I know how you feel about this franchise, James, <laughs> Yeah, I don't feel like you want this. Um, so there you go. Okay, next one. This next one is from... Andrew, quick one. He just sends the IMDb link for The Majestic, a film from 2001 with oh, Jim yeah. Carrey. And he says, yes. this film's a hidden gem of Jim Carrey. It's definitely worth a watch. Thanks, Andy. George, have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I want to. And you're absolutely right. Don't see that film come on streaming a lot. Don't see... I think I caught five minutes of it once on Channel 4 after an ad break by when right. I was looking for something. Yes. And I was like, oh, I love Jim Carrey. This is one of Jim Carrey's serious ones. I haven't seen it. I know it's sort of mm. set in the 50s, I think. Maybe MacArthur, McCarthy era kind of stuff. I'll have to watch it, but thank you for the recommendation. We're always is. We've lost. We that. are all is. We've lost that in society. The, the the sense of wandering through channels and finishing a film that started that doesn't happen. Oh, anymore. and just midway through a scene. Midway through. Well, yeah, you've lost watch. the spoilers as a result. Yes, but I know what you mean. Like, oh, what's this? Look, get out my TV guide. Yeah. Get out my. Have you seen that film? I saw half. I saw the second half on Channel Four. Yeah, but you know what people used to do. Ugh, sacrilege. They used to like watch a film, and then when the ad break would come on, they'd skip to another channel. Oh, and then no. And no, then, it drives then, me yeah. mad. And then they would come back and then he would have missed the first... brought back like memories of like fighting about the TV yeah, with my I siblings. Know. Like, don't, no, I was watching... You're not going to get it back in time. Yeah. We always just put the adverts on mute though. Nice. That's what you yeah, got to do. Yeah, just like, no ads, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Consumerism will not get me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, and then there's just a quick comment on our great movie Double Bills episode that right. we did. Yes. Uh, and Anthony said, I've always thought that La La Land and Mulholland Drive would be a great duo. One is wow. like a dream of the Hollywood lifestyle and the other is a nightmare. Very good. I need to see Mulholland Drive. It's on my list. Yes. Because that was going to be my question. Mm. Because Mulholland Drive what... is, I have seen it. I, I took myself to, took myself. It was in lockdown. I was, I was at my own house. I took, I made myself watch it. Um, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. We know we did that blind spotting episode. We said, oh, here's the episode. Here's all the films we haven't seen. Yes. Mulholland Drive was a big one for me for ages. Yeah. So I thought, now's the time I'm going to sit down and watch it. Good. <sighs> I mean, some people love it. Yeah. Absolutely revere it. And, uh, I, I didn't, I almost can't rate it or talk about it. I really? didn't really get on with it, but mm. it's not because I thought it was bad. It's just like, it's almost not a film. It's like Lynch is just to screw with us. He's designed a film that has no in point and no out point and, and has no meaning. It's almost like he's deliberately made a film that has no thesis statement, that has no, that has no meaning. Has, it's de just deliberately, it's all just, it's not even a hall of mirrors. It's just like, a, an empty black hole of mirrors that's just reflecting and, and confusing you, but you never, you will never get to 
where you need to go. It's like a Mor- Morbius strip. It's weird. I had the same Morbius thoughts strip. about the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Right. There we go. <laughs> okay. Another four-hour film. No, but, but do watch it. I mean, there are people who really love it. No, no, you didn't get it. It's about a nightmare. Yeah, I get mm. that. I get that. But it's also weirdly put together. There's this whole bit at the beginning with uh, Robert Forster, which was originally meant to be for the, for the for TV show, I think they were going to make of it. And then they just left it in. And uh, it's, it's, it's not bad, though, because it is freaky. There's some bits in it with Naomi Watts. It's just like... Whoa, wow. dude. Whoa, trippy. And it's, I can't describe it. People, what? don't listen to me try and mumble through describing a strange film I've watched once that was two years ago and it was three hours long. There Have take on much... film you're not really sure of yes. immediately without warning. Yeah. <laughs> this one is from Sorry. Evan from Oregon. Hey. Hey from Oregon. Hey guys, this is Evan from Oregon. <laughs> I keep doing that and then they say where they are on email. Right. Um, I hope things are well across the pond. Thanks, Evan. You're okay. Uh, I was thinking about the first date I had with my current girlfriend and the movie I chose for us to watch. Ooh. Ironically, it was Pulp Fiction and in hindsight was definitely not a good film for my girlfriend's tastes and maybe a little bit much for a first date. Mm. Anyways, it got me thinking. Do you have any go-to movies that you'll put on for a date? If not, what are some films that you think would be good? Keep up the good work, guys. Thanks, Evan. James, from Oregon. <laughs> James, what is a date? What is a date? <laughs> what, what is that? No, um, well, the first thing I want to say is I... Um, I agree that Pulp Fiction probably not date No, but I did, it did remind me that I did show my girlfriend Pulp Fiction. She'd, she'd never seen it right. a couple of years ago. And um, it was really funny because I think she was very aware of the film and had got this sort of con- contorted perception that it was going to be like really scary because oh. of the violence i think she was gonna be like violent scary not yeah. violent cartoony yeah like like it is and honestly like she was on tenter hooks the whole time and there was one bit where like uh, bruce willis is in uh, a phone booth and she was like and i was like are you all right oh, no. and she, she was like i just think really, something really scary is about to happen and i was like he's just on the phone that, that's all that's happening he's literally just on the phone and, it's all, and, and, she, not getting and over time she started to realize that it's actually quite funny and i think pop fiction is really funny yeah, and, yeah and it's just not it's not scary there's no jump she kept thinking there was gonna be like a jump scare like someone was gonna get yeah you know shot in the face like the departed or something it was just not not that so i thought rival would be scarier than it was but it wasn't i remember feeling mm. like it had more horror elements than it actually did but then but, nocturnal animals was scarier than it was yes. remember, which one, there's a jump scare in that there's Which bit, one? She looks at like a recording or something and then literally somebody goes like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Um, I, uh, the one that comes to my head is a film I talked about- oh, as a date movie. As a date movie last year, uh, last episode, last week or the week before would be It Follows. Because scary films- Really? Yeah. Scary films good, right? And it kind of has that like- weird like, 80s, creepy like, twist in like yeah, the date, like, like the horrible date kind of thing. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's quite a, better. It's a good choice because it's also it, the the a uh, little bit of scare is always good because you know you want to be like oh cuddle up to me and right. um, it's a film they might that not likely to have seen it's not like the most popular film everyone's heard of but yeah. you could it's good and they'd be like oh that was a cool movie is this the first date or the first film they showed they have said any good but you'll put on a date not necessarily first date but he did say that pulp this fiction is the first, was a bad let's say first this is date. in the first three months of a relationship yeah then. new ground hmm. let me think let's about this month, in silence first so month can, first think, time over at the house. Let me think about this in silence. So you and can Netflix cut it. and chill, even. Are you trying to go scary on the date? Do you want to cuddle up? You're going to be funny. Mm, yeah, what do you want? Or do you want a bit what of are your tear intentions, Evan? So it's like that was an amazing like yeah fight for justice. Didn't like, that the, just the, oh that trial of Chicago Seven oh, was really that just remind you about love and justice <laughs> and everything we have. Oh what my clothes? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh what my clothes? Yeah. What are, what are the what are the intentions? Are you are you hoping to convert someone to a mm. film you already love? Are you looking for a film that you maybe haven't seen that you're hoping you can discover together? I, I think you shouldn't show something you're too precious about. 
Yes. Because that, that's because if they go, nah, it wasn't really for And me. you're there watching them watch it. Oh, yeah. No, N- nightmare. That, no. that, that, that's exhausting for you yeah. as well as them, and nobody enjoys that. No, I... Um, that's so true. Don't watch something you really no, love. No, you've got to watch... Don't so- put on your favourite film. Uh, tough one. I'm going to have to think about yeah. that more. But, uh, yeah, dates. To be honest, like, horror's good, but nothing too scary. Don't put on The Exorcist. No. Fun horror. Schindler's List. Yeah, nothing There's overly a whole political. Out, yeah. uh, nothing overly political, nothing it overly scary, so good, nothing overly... Uh, you, uh, mm. I don't have the answer for you. I don't but have it's an off the top of my It is an interesting one. You know who, what I think you should do? It, uh, uh, this I, is Evan from, from Oregon. Oregon. I, think, I think the best thing to do is if you're a guy, I think you go to like the lads WhatsApp group and you go, boys, what's what happened? And you yeah. consult like a group of yeah. like five, six plus, And I think they're going to start firing in some options mm. and that will give you a good idea. But you've go, you got to make sure you don't fall into like a bro trap and be no. like, oh yeah, I showed him this film. And then, and then he, she goes home and it's like... Oh. Such a lad film. Yeah, yeah, they showed me that film and yeah. uh, it was such a lad film. Yeah, you need something. The Blade Runner. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't try and like show them that you're really into film either. No, you don't no. have to do that. Anyway. So we don't know is the answer. <laughs> so there you go. That was the correspondence that we got this week. Thank you so much for emailing in. As I said, if you want to email into the show, you can do by emailing hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. We will do our best to read them out, but we can't guarantee we'll do it no. the week that you read it. But please send them anyway. They are always great. Thank you. James, you and I a couple of weeks ago did great movie endings. Do you remember that? Yes. We did. I mean, it only seems logical that we should now do great movie openings. Yes. So we've also been talking about them intermittently over the weeks. Like, oh yeah, that's a good, good scene. Because we, okay, so we did great movie endings and then we did great movie scenes, how right? little segments we've kind made. Of, we've, done it, we've done it in reverse and now we're going to start with great, you know, great movie. Great movie middles <laughs> next week. <laughs> great second scenes in movies. Yeah. Great penultimate scenes. Yeah. Um, Great movie credits. <laughs> um, Suicide Squad. So, great movie openings, right? Mm. We've, we've talked about a few, and I want to just list those off quickly. So yeah. just to clarify to people that we haven't, we're not going to repeat them. And these aren't, just, these aren't the best movie no. openings. These are just a selection that we felt like talking about yes. today. Yes, we, we had a little chat beforehand. We made a list, and we're just going to run through them. You know the drill, guys. So just to kick us off, ones we're not going to really, well, just to recap the ones we've talked about already, right? Yeah. So the obvious one, when you say to anyone, what's a great movie opening? They go, Safe and Private Ryan. We've discussed. Fantastic. Great. Up. We've discussed. Yes, we've discussed. Inglorious Bastards. We've, we've sort of upon. discussed. Great but, movie opening. Yeah. You know what I, you know I realized? That's a 20 minute scene. Yes. It's like an episode of Friends. Well, I love, I, I, this kind of happens in Elvis, actually. I mean, Elvis doesn't have a great movie opening, but yeah. I love an opening of a film that is so quick and fast and so much is happening that before you know it, you're half an hour into the film. Yeah. And you don't even realize. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm in. I'm yeah, in. Yeah. I didn't even have to think about it. Inglourious Bastards is, is, is very good. the best. Uh, quite Tarantino said that's one of the best scenes he's ever written. I would say yeah, it's up there. It's, yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so great movie uh, opening. Jaws, we also, we also uh, Jaws is another one of the famous great. ones. Yeah, yeah, another one we're not going to talk about. We, we did a whole uh, rewatch of the original Jaws. Uh, yeah, the, the, came the Godfather. Recently. Godfather we covered, yeah. Um, any others? Um, I think Jurassic Park's pretty good opening. Jurassic Park 2, when we did a cover-up. Yeah, Jurassic Park. So there's loads yeah. of like, I said that's easily, some, not only just some of the best films of all time, but in that specifically, those are some of the best openings. Fantastic. Ever. Yeah. So James, great movie openings. Mm. We've gone away and made a list. Yes. What have you got? The first one I wanted to do, I think it was the first one that came to mind, 
is one that was immediately iconic when it came out in 1996, and that is Where's Craven Scream? That's Do you have the same exactly one? Exactly the same, same one. as mine. Okay, I knew, amazing. I said before we hit recording that you we were going to come up with the same one, one. And I knew it'd be Scream. I knew well, Scream there you go. Be there, yeah. So, uh, for so many reasons, that is such an incredible scene, and I think it wears its that film wears its inspiration yeah. literally on its sleeve in that yeah. opening scene when he asks the famous lines, "What's your favorite scary movie?" I know. I just I just rewatched it right before oh, I right, came over. Right. So you just to set the scene for people who haven't. Seen yes, it. you have this film called Scream. It's got you know, it's very scary. What's going to happen at the time? Like modern slasher yeah, film. Modern slasher film. Drew Barrymore's alone at home in the house. Classic, classic, classic. classic. Baby, classic. babysitter all alone. She gets a call. Who's this? You know, don't know. A oh, wrong number. Puts the phone down. Calls back. Hey, why'd you call back again? They're having this sort of like fl- slightly flirtatious, playful conversation. And the guy on the other end's a bit like this. Hey, and it's- it starts a little bit flirty yeah, that, yes, and almost yeah, yeah. jovial. And, and it's like, why don't you tell me your name? Yeah. Why, look, why do you want to know yeah. my name? Yeah. And, then, and then so she puts the, and she's cooking popcorn and they start talking about films. And she's like, oh, you, I only eat popcorn at the movies. Well, I'm going to watch a video in a second. Another thing from the 90s. Yeah. Um, oh, what are you going to watch? I don't know, some kind of scary movie. What's your favorite scary, scary movie? movie. Um, and then they talk about scary movies. And then she's wandering around, just talking into the phone. And as you say, he says, "What's your name? Why do you want to know my name?" And he says, "Because I want to know who I can, who I'm looking at." <laughs> yeah, piano changes so and all of a sudden, close up, boom, and and it does this amazing thing where the camera, I think, either just before this this question or after, just moves ever so slightly, where you can see that there are windows in the house and it's dark outside yes. and it's like into this black void. This amazing moment where all of a sudden you're aware of this those classic yeah. American houses that have like 14 windows <laughs> yeah. on either side where anyone can. <laughs> break in yeah. and as i said like the mood completely changes yeah. and what yeah, did you say just, what did you say don't hang up don't hang up yeah, and then like and the meanwhile she puts she's put this popcorn on the yes. stove which is like this classic eye tribe. roll tension builder where like this 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 old school foil popcorn that like blows up and when it's ready it's like a giant ball and it starts hissing and smoking yeah. as the tension in the scene yeah. goes up and you're also like get away from the guy but yeah. also your popcorn is burning <laughs> yeah, take it off hissing. The and then Oh. on the door who's there yeah don't you know not to say who's there oh it's so good yeah the, the, this is an amazing moment where she's like listen to me asshole my boyfriend <laughs> is giving me over in like five minutes and he's gonna kick your ass like oh really he's yeah. like yeah and i'm gonna call the police they wouldn't get here in time <laughs> yeah. and it's like yeah he's gonna kick your ass he's <laughs> six feet tall and he plays football <laughs> um, is his name steve yeah. by any chance <laughs> yeah. But, but and then you know the the scene ends and I guess we can spoil scream for people yeah. right and then you know she's eventually killed as her parents are driving yes. no the, 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 not the, her parents the, the babysitters but you know the, the fam- yes, yeah, family yeah. she's staying for uh, driving with drive and that's it that's the beginning of film but Drew Barrymore's not in the rest of the movie and I like that that as we talked about with great mm. scenes and great endings that could be its own little film 100% it, short it, film it's, it's like a short it's film it's like short horror films you watch on YouTube all the time yeah exactly really really perfect and what I think works is that in order for scream to be as good as it is because what I loved about Scream is also how funny it is. Yeah. You know, we talked about Pulp Fiction. Great sleepover film. Great. It, it's really funny and it's obviously so playful in invoking horror films and commenting the on the like, Exactly. Like, yeah. But none of that would work. None of that would be interesting unless it was scary itself, right? Yeah. It's like, it's if a comedy is going to be subversive as well, it has to be funny from the yes. get-go. This horror has to be scary. And 
that as a statement of intent from the beginning, it's like you have my attention. And you there's a there's another it. element of it where uh, Drew Barrymore was initially attached to play the lead role of Sydney. Oh yeah, but she uh, had other commitments and couldn't commit to the filming schedule, so pulled out. But then was like, I'd love to be a small part of it, yeah. and she got she got reassigned the role of the the, the girl in that scene. Yeah. And you have this uh, element where Drew Barrymore at the time was famous for having been an ET and just was pretty famous at the time. You start your movie, everyone in their heads is going, oh, that's Drew Barrymore. Yeah. You don't expect, rarely, the yes. big star to get killed off. It's almost like that Game of Thrones effect yes, that we yeah. have now. And you've got the opening scene, everyone's like, big star Drew yeah. Barrymore, dead in the yeah. first five minutes. And it's this new sort of sense of like, ah, oh, yeah. like no one's safe. Yeah. Everyone could get slashed at any time. And I thought yeah. that was, a I didn't know that until I just Googled like why, how Drew Barrymore was attached yeah. or how famous she was in context to how I know her in 96. Yeah, that's a nice way of playing on audiences' exterior expectations yeah. outside of the film i love that i i, I think i agree i think it's a t i knew i just knew you were going to include it it's, it's yeah it's a classic and it, it's, it's got that great sense of um you are also now when she realizes that you know there's a killer outside the house she's for the first time realizing oh my god what door is open what windows yes, open yeah. and she's running around to like try and lock yeah. all the doors and it's shot in such a way that like the camera never fully reveals to you the layout of your mm. house because if as a viewer you could see the house you would be like okay it can come from there there and there yeah, yeah. but it stays on her so you're like it could just come from yeah. any direction and there's a really early shot where it's an exterior and it's just a swing it's oh, yeah. ever so slightly yeah. moving yeah. it's like almost it's American American classic, uh, classic house, locale. Yeah. Um, brilliant. Brilliant. So brilliant we, scene. Scream. We uh, now have one fewer to tell you about because <laughs> we both came up with that. But yeah, uh, it's still good to just watch on YouTube and enjoy, enjoy it for what it is. I think, um, I think I'm going to do one that's quite recent, actually, just, yeah. to, just to play it up. So completely different genre. I was trying to think what's a more recent film that has a great opening, and that is the opening of Marriage Story. Oh. Right? So you know, Noah Baumbach film with Adam Driver, Scarlett Hansen, the tale of this, this couple having a divorce and, you know, came out on Netflix probably about two years ago. Yeah. I up, remember up the opening that well, so remind me. Oh, it begins and it's what I love about Nicole. And you have yes. this oh montage yes. of, so good. of all uh, of Scarlett Johansson and yeah. all the small moments in her life that make up her character, particularly in her relationship with her son. Yes. And it's like, you know, she, she leaves cupboard doors open and um, she always is brewing a cup of tea that she never seems to drink. And you have these like montage of cups of mugs of tea around. She's mm. very good at opening a jar of pickles and he can't do it and he hands it to her and she opens it. And conversely, he, she says, what I love about Henry and you have all the things of, of him and mm. his son and, you know, he misses a stop on the subway and he's always turning lights off even when people are in the room. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. And you have this lovely kind of soft, a bit like the music from Up, or just in the background, just playing mm. this. And it's a seven minute opening. Yeah. And you just get to know the life of this couple and the story of this couple through the mm. very intimate personal details of their life. And Noah Baumbach says, you know, Really, those are things that are very small and kind of meaningless. But in the context of your life in a domestic setting, those are huge. Yeah. So uh, how someone spends time with your son and et cetera. But it's also really important because those things that are presented are also the things that are used against them Yeah. as the film goes on as, 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 as ammunition. Because after this seven-minute serenade, this beautiful, uh, and it's shot in this like film stock, I remember, it's very romantic. It then uh, uh, cuts to a mediator's office and you realize the conceit that you've been listening to is, 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 is a conceit, it's a deception, where this, this letter you think is a love letter is actually a part of a mediation process as part of a divorce. And the two of them are sat very separate, very far apart. We've gone from handheld, floaty handheld in their, their flat to, 
to tripod st- static fixed shot. Like what happened? A much cooler, colder temperature, yeah. uh, color temperature in, in in the room. And you know, uh, Scarlett Hansen says things like, "I'm not reading that. I don't want to do that." And you are now in. You are invested in the conflict in their relationship. You are also sad it's because like you're, already, you're yeah. heartbroken already. It's like someone's like, come to you. It's like you. Yeah, exactly. Someone's, it's like a couple, you know, have come mm. to you and they've said, oh, we're breaking up. And you go, why? Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're so good together. And I, and I think that's brilliant as a way of setting off, off the film. I mean, the script of Marriage Story, I think is, is brilliant actually yeah. in general. And, and it, it took me to, I watched Marriage Story within a, like twice within a month. Wow, okay. Not, not on purpose. I wanted to watch it. Then I think I was with family or something. We, we rewatched it. It really right. came alive to me. And I just think it was really, really electric, really brilliant. But that opening montage, just wonderful. What, what a brilliant idea. And then Noah Baumbach says it was originally not part of the script. It was a writing exercise for him to, to define the characters for him. So he was like, okay, what could I, what does Henry love? Mm. And what does Nicole love? It's written clearly from the perspective of someone in a relationship. Yeah, it's like exactly. Things, you know, it's, it's, a, it's like a little uh, subversive switch on things that very modern, uh, like a modern take on why relationships yeah. work is that it's not about like the grand gestures you make or the holidays yeah. you go on. It's about those everyday exchanges, which are what yes. makes a relationship work. And you've started with the things that people yes. usually associate with a successful and happy relationship yes. and how well you know that person. But then, then it was like, using what you know to twist and manipulate that situation which is is so horrible i mean another not to always we always seem to bring up 500 days of summer but this is but but you know know, we we always talk about 500 days somewhere like okay it's flawed but there are these moments that are really good there (laughs) there have been 500 days of summer where at first he's like it's the montage of summer he's like i love her knees i love her hair in the morning i love her wishes and then there's the exact same montage later it's like i hate her knees i hate her way her breath smells in the morning and it's the way that you can just twist something Mm. uh, uh against someone I, I, I love that. And what I think is clever as well, for a film about divorce, it could easily have opened with a massive argument, a massive, so a massive row. But it, then it would have, would have had nowhere to go. Mm. So it comes. It comes it, and, that, and that's, you know, we, when we talked about great scenes, the fight scene and the, the, the argument scene in, in Marriage Story is yeah. amazing. And actually, actually Marriage, scene, Marriage Story's got loads of good scenes. It has that one, remember when the, um, the, the child moderator comes? Yeah, and he has to like be like a normal dad and show that he can look after Henry. Oh, and when he has the the pen knife and he tries to do the trick. And you, you know what? You know that that sad like divorced dad apartment. I have so clearly in my yeah. mind because of how well the a like the iconic scenes that they shot there. But like how well they use that yeah. sad space as like a theater lock in yeah. to do these scenes. I just I close my mind's eye. And I feel like I know where to find everything in the yeah. kitchen. It's, that's why I feel like a successful set yeah. design. Like nothing on the walls. Yeah, to be like here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <I actually laughs> yeah. Got something now. Um, do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Uh, I, that's burned into my mind when I think of that film. Yeah, and I, I've, you've got me thinking about the whole film now because the one thing that's always stayed with me is when this he, will happen when we talk yeah, about opening. when he first goes to see uh, Alan Alder, who's his first lawyer. Not, you know, he goes to see Ray Liotta, and he's yeah. too expensive. Yeah. Then he goes to Alan Alder, you know, it was a much nicer, much kind of. A, yeah. And he's been to this glossy Ray Liotta lawyer, but with Alan Alder, like they're tr- chatting and like he follows Alan Alder into his back office and it's in like Alan Alder's crappy kitchen and Alan Alder's getting lunch out of his Tupperware and he's like microwaving it. And there's something so like um, boring and, and domestic and everyday yeah. mundane about what he's doing. His divorce is but just like, another transaction. Yeah, but what a brilliant non-theatrical way of contrasting him to the gloss of L- Laura Dern's lawyer yes. and Ray Liotta's lawyer. Oh, Laura Dern's so good at yeah, that. Her yeah. first scene is amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. when she like tilts her head and it's like sympathetic. And then, she, and then Scarlett Hansen does that monologue, you know. With the, yes. the, 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 yeah. Wonderful. And Adam Driver... Oh God, I want to rewatch my It's now. so, and yeah, watching now, Adam Driver is just one of the best actors of our generation. You know, yeah, every really time I, I wish you were dead. And then he, they collapse in on each other and they hug as well. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I can't, I, I want to 
you, you should be in New York. Yes. We're from New York. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the, uh, th- there's a cut as well that is when he's handed, a, I think he's dropped off his son and the gate is closing and it's very, very slow. And just as the gate's about to cut, you see them like look at each other and then the gate like cuts across. It's yes. brilliant. It's really, really smart. Mar- I've got to rewatch that film. But yeah, I'm, I'm, out. I'm now in. Uh, Marriage Story, opening scene, fantastic. It's criminal because I've got so many films coming to my head now, but I must be, I must stick to my <laughs> Must list. be disciplined. Um, okay, so my next one is a film I have briefly talked about before, but I haven't talked about this opening scene. And it's the opening scene slash like right up there's like a scene and then the main scene right up to the title title sequence and that's Sam Mendes' Revolutionary Road which I know you haven't seen but right, hopefully yeah. this just like really convinces you to watch it Revolutionary Road is a uh, Sam Mendes film uh, based on the also great book by Richard Yates and it stars Kate Winslet and Leo DiCaprio and it's set in uh, Connecticut suburbs in the 1950s and it's very much in this um, madman-esque style yeah. uh, post-war very peacetime booming economy and what you essentially have is all of these people who are either had fought in the war or had grown up with parents who had fought in the war and you've essentially got everyone now working in these jobs and you've got all of these people essentially graduating to the middle classes everyone's now got these houses and these jobs and they they've got this like new sense of very stable life and you've got these two characters who i just think are so amazingly realized in this film and even though they play on an idea which has been done over and over and over again nothing i think captures the intoxicating Mm. suffocating nature of what suburban american life would have been like in the 50s than this film and you've got this opening scene where um um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio picks up his wife April from this amateur play that she was in and the play was really bad and mm. she's really embarrassed that she was in it and she's meant to go and say goodbye to her friends who have come to see the play but she doesn't want to because she's really embarrassed and they're driving down the highway on the way home and um, she's pissed off and you know he's like oh you know baby I think you, you were the only one to watch in their play uh, don't even think about it. And she's like, just stop, just stop. He's like, no, 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 like, I think, I think you shouldn't even get mixed up with these amateurs. And she's like, just, just stop it already. And then they pulls over the car and they get into this huge argument. And what, what, what's so great about this is that this first scene, you could watch the first scene of this, of this film and you could delete the entire rest of the film and watch that as its own piece and go, I know exactly who these characters are. Mm-hmm. I know what this conflict is. Yeah. Even though I'm not going to watch, even though you don't, wouldn't have to watch yeah. the rest of the film, I'm like, I know this story and yeah. I know exactly what these people want. And what's so great about these two characters is that they both feel so much better than the situation they're in. They both feel so trapped mm. by each other. But what they don't realize is like, they, each other are the only ways to set mm. each other free. But they're also the things that like keep them trapped in this yeah. in this way and it's amazingly acted by by leo and kate at the top of their game and there's this moment when she like calls him out for like not being man enough and he like raises to punch her but then doesn't and just smashes his fist into the bonnet of the car and like breaks his wrist and they just have this huge screen match and they're they're like completely at odds with each other and you can just tell like this 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 fake simulation of what we think a man and a woman should and shouldn't be yeah. doing in this era is just toxic yeah. but even though they hate it they just still get back in the car yeah. light a cigarette and then this amazing score from james newton howard kicks in mm. this like piano and it sets off the rest of the film and it's so good and you you watch this scene you're just like Ooh, yeah. i want to see more I trouble in paradise more these yeah. people. and it's a really really good i think uh criminally underseen film that, mm. that is just fantastic or great opening scene Wow. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Um, just before we go on to 
a couple more. I want to mm. just mention, I'm just thinking of a yes. few. When we talked about Tarantino earlier with Inglourious Bastards, I think mm. actually Tarantino is kind of like the king of the opening scene. He is. Because I was just thinking about the opening of Kill Bill yeah. as well. It wasn't on my list, but that black and white, you know, with the, the boots. It's Actually, it's just all on her face, isn't it? And you just yeah. hear the boots and... <laughs> You know, I was five. When he no, was what is he? It's just like I could fry an egg on your head right now. Yeah, you know, this you is me and my most massacred. No, you just yeah, you just, just see. I think you see his boots in the in volume two. I think in volume one you just see her oh, in black and white. Oh yeah, I think. And right, obviously, right. Pulp Fiction. The first, the first scene of Pulp Fiction. Yes. Is, oh yeah, is, also is, famous. Yeah, yeah. What, uh, fantastic. Um, yes, good, good, good. And uh, another another film we have talked about. We we, we don't again, but No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah. Uh, we I mean, kind of like it. a horrible opening because yeah. it's so violent and so shocking, but you're like, oh, God. You talked this... about the petrol station scene. Yeah. and yeah. Yes, and I talked about, mentioned the handcuffs with the police officer yes. at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, awful. Okay, next one. Okay, I can talk about two openings almost in, in tandem because they both present the same thing. And when mm-hmm. I was thinking about one, I was thinking about the other, right? And that is the opening of Drive. Oh, yeah. And the opening of a film called Blue Ruin. Have you seen Blue Ruin? Have I mentioned it to you before? I think you have. Both of these films are excellent in using silence and and you know no no dialogue at all to begin their films and set their scene. So Drive is a little different. Drive does have a little bit of uh, dialogue uh, at the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's it's it opens and you've got that that tick of the clock by the Mm. chromatics. You've got the silhouette and the back of uh, Ryan Gosling leaning against the, the the window frame looking out at Los Angeles on the phone saying, you know, I, every time I do a job, you know, you've got a five-minute window. Anything happens in that five minutes, I'm yours. Yeah. yeah. Anything outside of that, you're on your own. You understand? Good. Then this is the last time we speak or something like that. It was like yeah. the last time we have the phone. This is the last time Very you call, dramatic. The last time you call his phone. Puts Nightmare the phone down, grabs, grabs the duffel bag. He does meet Brian Cranston, but he doesn't say a word. He turns up at the petrol station. Brian Cranston's doing all the talking. Hey, man, how are you doing? How are you doing? Are you tired? You're not sleeping well, kid. You want some nicotine, caffeine? And Ryan Gosling is just like dead quiet. And then, it's like, then you, you see all these amazing sports cars. Mm. And then you just arrive at this really bland Chevy Impala. And he's like most common... Um, most common car in the city of Los yeah. Angeles. And actually, well, that's really clever itself because you're watching a film called Drive about a, uh, you know, a, a high, uh, a, you know, a noir LA chase. You expect to be fast cars, fast and furious. And you see yeah. these cars go past and it's like, no, 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 this is actually going to be a white Chevy. Some like glossy neon muscle car. But exactly. No, yeah. And he drives and in the back, you've got this kind of like sports game happening and he drives and he, waits outside the area and the two men are already across the street and, and like they go in. on here with the clock yep. and the ticket. And the men go in and he ties his wristwatch around his wheel. It's all very analog. I love it. Mm. And and you, you can hear the squelch of his gloves on the steering wheel. Mm. And you hear the, um, I think I think at this point it might still be the sports match or we might switch to the police radio. I'm not sure. And then you've just got the sound of the alarm. And then one of the guys comes out and the doors open. It's like, I think he might even be doing the dung, dung the doors open and the oh, other yeah. and the other the other crook hasn't come out yet and you can just see ryan gosling in the in the in come the, on man yeah, go in the rear view mirror and he's looking at the watch eventually the guy runs out they get in they start driving and then they run into the police and then they get chased and then they are going across the bridge and the helicopter spotlight is going over and we've got a white chevy impala and then it hooks onto the car and you just hear, and the guys in the back are just completely silent. He's completely silent. They manage to shake the police. You think it's done. And then they're back at normal speed at a, at a junction. And across from them is a black and white, you know, black mm. and white police car. And the music kind of like fades out a little bit. And then you hear, 
Uh, we might have a possible match for that uh, white Chevy Impala. You can just hear the the other car. You can't even see the police officers in the other car. Yeah. You just hear them talking on the radio, and you've just got this Ryan Gosling watching it, like slowly getting near the, you know, the the, right the handbrake. And then that kicks off into a chase, and then it ends wonderfully where he drives into the stadium of the of the sports match, which is like pouring fans out of it. Just, just like loads of people pulls into the sports, gets out of the car, doesn't even shut the door, whips his jacket off onto his back, puts out a, a sports baseball ga- cap yeah, uh, for yeah. the match that's happening. So he blends right in. Toothpick still in his mouth, walks out, no problem. He leaves the two guys in there because it got it got too hot, right? Excellent opening. Yeah. yeah, and then it goes straight into the Kavinsky. I mean, that, yeah, and then one of my favorite opening credits of yeah. all time. That's different opening credits. But yeah, you're right. In that kind of 10 minutes, you end with a great opening credits. You begin with this statement. It's and, in a the, character. And, it, and in the sec, in the middle, you have silence, no dialogue, essentially. And that, again, could be a short film. Yes. That as a statement of intent, it's like, there's your short film. There's your idea of what yeah. this film is and what Concept. this person is. And similarly, in Blue Ruin, Blue Ruin is this... Group. Sorry, before you go on, yeah, that, I really felt like that when that film came out, and what was the other Gosling film that came out at the time? It might have been Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah, both 2011. I feel yeah. like he had taken almost like a break or wasn't yeah. even a big deal. And it was like, whoa, Ryan Gosling his is own like reconnaissance. back. Yeah, yeah. he's like, he must have switched his agent or something. And the Eyes of March. Just, yes, that was it. Yeah. That was the one. The yeah. Eyes of March. It was March, all three came out that George year. George Clooney yeah, split yeah. face p- poster. He got like three big films out in yeah. two years or something. But yeah. Yeah, no, that was, yeah, that was his year. Great. I, I love that opening but anyway sorry God, no one talks about the Ides of March anymore do they I think it, because a bit like when we talked about House of Cards having dated yeah I think the Ides of March's perception of politics which shares a I think Bo Willimon who did House of Cards wrote wrote the Ides of March that makes sense the, the play I think okay um, it's the, that, that, that idea of politics being did you know politics is actually not all what it seems yeah. oh really how oh, the hell do you no. write modern politics in America anymore? Like, where do you even start? You have, to, you have to do like Veep. You have to do it as satire. You yes. have to do it as just complete. Have bonkers. you seen when um, Julia Louis? Have you seen Veep? I've seen bits of Veep. Have you seen when I Julia Louis Dreyfus got the award? No, she won the award, and then her assistant was right behind her. Yeah. Oh, it's really funny. Okay. I'll, um, uh, I might not do it because you haven't seen Street, but I'll send it to you oh. later. It's amazing. Anyway, so you've got that with Drive, but also with Blue Ruins. Blue Ruins is this film, 2013, I think, directed by Jeremy Saulnier, who went on to do Green Room. Did you ever see Green Room? No, but you mentioned it. It's right. on my okay. list. So Blue Ruin, it, I think I might have touched about it on a, on a, on a, touched on it in a previous episode, but it's about, it just begins, and it's this guy, Beach Bum, sleeping in his car. And you follow the life of this beach bum. He looks awful. He's got and he's got this beard, and um, he's sleeping in his car. And you follow him like sneaking out to, to get food from the from the from the trash and and from supermarkets. And you see like how he has a shower, like collecting water, and how he drinks from that, like getting off the tarpaulin. I haven't seen this in a while, so I'm just, apologies if I'm getting any details wrong. But you understand in the, in this. Uh, uh, scene all of it what, what has happened to this guy this looks like a fairly normal guy uh, why is he why is he in this state he's mm. clearly very smart and he has these like he has like a document like a like a folder that he's keeping very safe um and i remember watching that opening thinking well this is like true cinema i'm being completely shown everything i'm not being told everything and then all that happens i think is a police officer turns up and says calls him in actually to the police station and he doesn't say anything. And she just basically says, I wanted to call you in because I wanted to let you know, I think I should, that he's out now. And I thought I should let you know. And you become aware that this guy's not on the run. He's almost in hiding, waiting, because somebody's coming out of prison. And then you follow this character 
and he's and he he's outside the prison and he sees these people come out and you're like oh the bad guys are coming out of the prison mm. for something bad that's happened and then he like follows him to a bar and all of this he's not said anything it's complete silence and he sort of stalks his prey this is all in the first 10 minutes and he like stalks the guy into the bar and he's got like maybe like a little switchblade or something and he like goes into the bathroom. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil. I, I'm gonna just. I'm gonna tell you what happens in the opening sequence because it's literally just the first ten minutes. And you're thinking, what is this guy gonna do? These these are real tough biker looking bad guys, okay? And somehow he ends up in like the bathroom, and you've got the noise of everything, and you've got him waiting there, and I, and I think he's panicky, he doesn't quite know what to do, and then you hear the big tough guy come in, and what, if I remember correctly, what happens is he confronts the big guy. It doesn't go right. He, he immediately like gets sort of. Um, the guy, the guy, I mean, like grabs him. It's just like, what are you doing? But he manages to, and then this completely graphic explosion of violence, a bit like what happens in Drive. Right. I think he gets like the this this rusty pen knife and just, and and you're like, fuck! You've had complete stillness and quiet, and this is exploded into go- gore. And yes, thank you, James. It's a contrast. Yeah. <laughs> it's contrast. It's a contrast. Uh, yeah, and uh, and he's covered in blood, and then he like runs, and it's all, all it's it's quite clumsy, mm. and what's you know um that email we had before about the revenant that fight at the end being yes. quite scrappy and clumsy that makes it more real and that's what's happened in this it's mm. got this kind of powerful realness Another great and thing. then um he gets away in a very clumsy way he's got a flat tire and the people are aware that he's been there and then kicks off this movie which is clearly about revenge but but the revenge has already happened at the beginning you know it's a, yeah. it's a revenge film that doesn't end with revenge it begins with the revenge and the consequences of that act of violence um a really interesting film that i've probably quite butchered in telling no, no, that way great. 90 minutes i believe oh. a real a real corker but but those two openings together what a great way of using yeah. silence and 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 less is more visual storytelling and a lack of dialogue yeah, there is sound design and not using sound yeah, that, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, well, well, there's always sound, isn't that right? Yes, sure. There's always sound, but like the lack of sound can be like, a good sound. sound design. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's very good. <laughs> sound design. Um, anyway, those, those two I think were pretty pretty up there. Lovely. Uh, more? I've got one more. Oh, do you know what we've we've talked about this opening before? But I'm not, this isn't one of mine. But it's obviously the greatest opening of any film ever, and it's Mission Impossible Three. <laughs> oh, of course, it's yes. the forgotten Mission yes. Impossible film that I have talked about yes, before. You have, but it's the you, countdown. You acted it out beautifully. And yeah, yeah it's where's the rabbit's foot? Where's Rosefoot? Like seven. Yeah. You think I'm playing you, son yeah. of a bitch? Eight. Yeah, I won't go into it. I've done it. See it. See previous set for details. But that's probably the best of all time <laughs> and it's the it's the le- just just go watch it yeah just go watch mission Impossible 3 opening check your heart rate yeah. before and then again at the end and tell me it's not the best opening of all time also i've just remembered great philip seymour hoffman also killing it people some people i bet will say um uh goodfellas yes because yeah. they've got that he opens the trunk the and trunk, it's like it, yeah i always knew i wanted to be a gangster bomb 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 yeah. i'd like to go from ranks to and you've got that classic scorsese beginning also it's interesting how like some of the greatest films of all time have some of the best openings of all time funny and, like, that the films that we've covered are also and, like um, et <laughs> not et like jaws good fellas um but equally the departed which also has a great ending oh. and also has loads of great scenes but the beginning with jack nicholson you know where he's in the bar he's like you're thingies kid aren't you yeah and and he's got that silhouette and he's smoking you hear gimme shelter coming in the back like, they say what's the difference between i don't know what it's like a cop and a, and a crook he's like and i say when you're facing a loaded gun what's the difference <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's like matt damon in training yeah like, do, do, do. 
Departed? Fantastic. Oh, Departed's great. Fantastic. Anyway, okay, what other ones I could give you? Because um, you've, you've, you've taken Scream out of the equation. So Scream, Marriage Story, Blue Room, and Dark. Oh, sorry, but Mission Impossible wasn't one of mine. Oh, sorry. I, yeah, I, will, yeah, yeah. Go, I will go into one. Oh, yeah. Mission Impossible 3 is not one of my choices, but I have mentioned it, and it's it outdoes any intro we God. could ever do. Um, this is one uh, which I thought I wasn't going to do, but then I thought, hang on, this is, this is a special opening. And it is the opening to The Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Which yes. is like this, the beginning of it all. The battle, is, right? With, well, it's not just the battle. It's tell literally me. like, well, here's, here's why I think it's, it's interesting. There's two reasons. When they set out to make The Lord of the Rings, the, the, the trilogy, um, they didn't think they would be able to have money to make the film they wanted to make. Right. Because of the sheer size and ambition of it, it being an unproven IP, and the fact they wanted to do so much production without having made any money beforehand. And they originally could only get commissioned for two films, which meant they were taking Tolkien, which is like this rich Bible-esque history yeah. of the entire world. And they had to condense it to such, to such an extent. And they actually were working on this for like something like five or six years, like trying to whittle down the script to two films. That's all they had money for. And then they lost their distributor because it was such a risk. I can't remember who they originally with, but they went to New Line Cinema, who basically said, we will fund you and we will give you three films. and We will let you shoot them before you've actually had a movie come out. And it's very well known that New Line essentially put the entire risk and safety of that enti of their entire studio on that film. Wow. And if the Lord of the Rings films had failed, New Line Cinema would have completely failed because they put so much money into it. And uh, are you trying to say, sorry, they shot all of it before they even released the first yes. one? Yeah, famously. So they shot the entire, they did pickups afterwards, but like they shot them all, all three. before the first film came out. Yes. Wow, I, I didn't know that. So I'm this, such this, a. What am I doing on this show? What so am I actually it's, doing? It, and, and this is this was the first. You know, have like Avengers doing that now, and you know Marvel commissioned things. But this was the first film to have multiple films commissioned before anything else had come out before it. Wow. So it's not like one came out and yeah. they're like huge success, green light, go make as many yeah. as you want. Because it would have taken longer, of course. It would have taken. It would have taken so much longer. So it was like completely unproven. And then New Line were like, we will back you. We will let you make three films but from that they had this version of the film which was incredibly dull incredibly like if you've ever read tolkien it's like so rich and deep and there are these like appendices that just spin off into every which way and you read this uh so you watch this opening sequence which is covering thousands of years and it sounds really dumb but history mm. and it's like literally trying to tell you about yeah. the end of the second age and the dawn of the third right. like this high concept of like there were nine, there were three rings given to the elves, yeah. seven to the dwarves, nine given to the race of men who above all else deserve, deserve, uh, desire power. And it's just sort of telling you that yeah. men are a failed race. And I think what's important to acknowledge about Tolkien, and obviously the books far predate the films, but he eventually basically set a template for fantasy as we know it. And that, that basic storytelling of how you open fantasy and how you set up a world has just become like the standard for pretty much all fantasy that, that mm. we enjoy now. And I look at that scene and what it does to, to condense thousands of years of history in inverted commas into only a five minute scene. I actually thought it was longer, but it's only five minutes. It's got this incredible voiceover from, from Kate Blanchett. And in the, since the time that that film has come out, there are some wonderful YouTube channels. There's one called Nerd of the Rings. And they basically give you 20 minute long history lessons on the lore of like one thing that was said. Wow. And it's all based on like notes that Tolkien wrote. And you realize that, like, oh my God, this is just so much deeper than I could ever have imagined. And that scene is so good at telling you the story of 
who the rings, who the rings belonged to, what it meant that Sauron deceived them with his one ring, a sealed door taking the ring from Sauron and failing to destroy it, it passing to Gollum, skipping over the Hobbit, but mm, like having yeah, yeah, an appendices yeah. version. And what's so good is that in later on in the films, they keep coming back to that intro and fleshing it out because they only had time to write a five minute intro mm. in the beginning. But later on, when they were re-editing the films, they took more footage from it. And like Lord Aaron says to Gandalf, like he, he in Rivendell, he like says again, an extra part of the intro that's then put in he's like Gandalf I was there I was there 3,000 years ago when the strength of men failed mm. and there's this whole scene where him and Isildur are in the in the Mount Doom and he like doesn't choose to throw the ring in and I just rewatched that scene I was like oh my god this is so concise mm. and 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 well done and it's short and it's there and it just perfectly sets up the entire series and it's got this wonderful sense of on the other side of the world, there was this huge conflict with magic yeah. and elves and wizards. But on the other side right now is a little hobbit mm. in the Shire reading a book and yeah. his adventure will somehow end up there. And it's like the pinnacle of the hero story of fantasy. I assume it's, it's like, how do you bring an audience into this world if they're yeah. footing it? And like, obviously, Star Wars did it with a massive scroll. They just yes. did it with like, read this to understand what you're about to see. Yeah. But Lord of the Rings did it more cinematically. Which is arguably, uh, at the time that Star Wars came out, it had much more to work from than Star yeah. Wars did. And that, but that, that skill is getting the audience's foot in the door. Yes. Getting them to, getting to, 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 to not reject what I'm about to show I, them, I, yeah. I can't think of like a high, a, a high fantasy, a popular high fantasy IP before Lord of the Rings that we did as well as that. I don't know if high fantasy was as popular as it was. Can I think of a high fantasy? I might kick myself. They, I mean, I don't know. They, probably, they, made, they did make Dune into a film. I think that counts. Yes. So that yeah, same sort of level of uh, sci-fi. But no sci-fi in Lord of the Rings. It's like pure no, I know, yeah. elves and wizards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have seen it. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, it's, um, and it got you in and it's a very successful opener I, I for a film. I see your point. That's a very good answer. Yeah, yeah. I take that. I think, I think just to close, uh, my last one would be uh, a film that you've, I don't think many people have seen, mm -hmm. uh, but it's a film I really love. And I don't want to say it's underrated because it is rated, but I just don't think it's per like percolated through to this generation okay. which is called angel heart from nice. 1987 which is a mickey rourke and mm. robert de niro film i do remember you said mentioning this film. yeah because i've mentioned this film a lot I, I think i've even sent you a like um i mentioned this film a lot i think you know I've, I've encouraged you to go and see it do you want me to wait while you look it up no, now James? Fine, I, I see it. yeah I, I know the poster so um just a basic sort of foothold uh, it's set in 1950s new york and you've got mickey rourke in like the height of his you know, when Mickey Rourke actually looked like a human being and yeah. <laughs> didn't have a face like leather. Um, sorry, that sounded really harsh, but I'm sorry, Mickey Rourke. Um, <laughs> he's great in The Wrestler. Um, uh, um, he's in this as a really sort of, you know, uh, dapper de private detective. He's got the, you know, the, the big trench coat. He's got the cigarette. It's cold. And he meets this very mysterious man played by Robert De Niro, who um, is, puts him on this case uh, about uh, a missing, uh, missing person's case, right? And it, 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 it's very atmospheric and really invokes like the noir. And then what's great about the film is that halfway through it moves to New Orleans and it becomes this sort of like bayou set thriller. Mm -hmm. um, wonderful film, really great. I, 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 yeah, really, really, really fantastic. But what I mentioned about the opening, it hasn't got a big loud opening, it hasn't got a spectacular opening. What it does is just the opening credits take place over a, a scene that's basically like a non sequitur. It's just an alleyway in the middle of winter in New York. And it's just a cat walking through this snow-covered alleyway. And then you see a corpse. There's just a discarded body in the middle of this, this alleyway, slowly getting covered in snow while the credits roll over it, right? And then it cuts away. And it 
that is not related to the film. It's only until you get into like the last third, maybe even like the last few scenes of the film that that actually makes any sense. It's only then that it's connected to, and I just like the, I like the fact it gave you something that's not related to it, mm. took it away, told you to get on with it, and then you go, oh, that thing. It's been like, when I was talking about Better Call Saul. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, saying, it's like, that thing of like, opening showing, showing you something you have no idea, and yeah. then only later connected to it, but I, I, that's always stayed with me. Like the prestige as well. One, what with the hats? Well, uh, the hats and the entire the entire build up to when he sees uh, Hugh 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 Grant, that's Hugh Grant, <laughs> Hugh Jackman, uh, uh, <laughs> falling into the tank and like trying to break it. Yeah. And Christian Bale's like, "I'm part of the act, for Christ's sake!" But he doesn't. Yeah. I'm the, part of the bloody act, you fool. Oh, yeah. And he's the guy down there's blind, but you don't you don't realize the context for that yes. until you finish the film. But that film, you could almost finish it, yes. start the beginning again, yes. and then that beginning scene would make sense to you. And of course the hats, but yes, yeah, 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 tangent, yeah. Um, I just love the fact that also the hats of the prestige with the helmets of Dunkirk for Christopher Nolan. I'm yeah. sure there's loads of film fans out there who've cut that together. You know, sure, just like yeah. the, the delicate yes, yeah. look. Anyway, that was, uh, I think that's probably my last one. There, as, you, as we kind of touched on, there are loads. We've tried to give in so to talk about some ones that aren't your typical top ones Tarantino does a great Just, opening yeah, he Scorsese does a opening. great opening um, what's the Jack- oh, um, a very famous one that we have mentioned is Raiders of the Lost Ark oh my god uh, of course yeah. the, the fingers yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, start god. the engines that, that was like, uh, yeah, like Indiana Jones was revealed to you as a silhouette first like an iconic yeah. hat whip yeah. uh, thing yeah Alfred Molina in that Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. The very beginning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and um, the, the the big boulder chasing after yeah. India. Yeah. So I many. Thought, like, just in those first five. First I thought five you'd minutes. mention the Dark Knight. Is it too obvious? Uh, yeah. It's it's often it's often mentioned as a very popular one. Now, Christopher Nolan loves an opening. Yeah, yeah. Both of those two, a Dark Knight Rises and Dark Knight in particular, very special yeah. openings. Oh, that Dark Knight Rises with the plane, of course. Dark Knight with the plane, which I think he he he. That's his favourite sequence he's ever shot. I think Christopher Nolan mm. once said. And well, with the thing with the Dark Knight as well that. He, that was strongly influenced by Heat. And the Heat is like yes. a film where every single scene is a good scene. Yeah. Opening's great. Getting Glorious Bastards, the ending's you could great. say as well. Uh, no, I agree. Everyone, yeah. you just extract and go, that, that's wonderful. The Dark Knight opening was, uh, I think I think it was the first time he dabbled in shooting on IMAX for non-exterior shots. Right. So you don't just use it for like your cityscape, you use it to tell dramatic story yeah. to yeah. on a larger scale and that was like oh you have to see a dramatic film on imax that isn't like under the sea or in space 3d i have forgotten one we haven't talked about yeah. briefly a film we have mentioned in the past but the opening of the revenant oh, oh and actually yeah, you know, we have talked about it because we, we, we talked did, about the golden yeah. hour and it, we, we were only shooting yeah, one. that's a really great you know it's very special that sort of one take get the pouch get the pouch yeah. <laughs> you know these arrows come out yeah yeah. Hark, hark. All shot on like a very wide, almost fisheye. It's yeah, it's, really it's uh, Manuel Lubetsky. Yes. Well. It's how he does his thing. It. So just, oh. Beautiful. So, uh, uh, so many to a, talk a, about. A platter, a selection of openings there. Oh, the prestige, the prestige, one. I love it. We could, gu- we could gush oh. on the prestige for Can a whole like, episode. For my own just like enjoyment, just do a rewatch and just go through every I, single I, I, scene. If you want us to do a d- deep dive on the prestige, let us know, guys, because we will do it. Yeah, maybe we do. Maybe when Nolan's new film comes out, which we sure. pick, we pick one of Isn't his that films next year. Next year, we'll still be here. Don't worry, we'll, <laughs> we'll still, still be, be here. here. Um, <laughs> no, one hundred and thirty. Also, whilst we're talking about getting, in <laughs> I'll quit. By then. <laughs> I'll quit. Whilst we're talking about getting in touch, uh, let us know your guilty pleasures as well. We've talked about guilty pleasures. We've been asked this We've twice. Been asked what are our guilty pleasures? But that's one thing. But we're actually interested to hear about your guilty pleasures. What is the film that you always go to? You 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 can rely on, and you don't care that other people might be snobbish about it. Yeah. What, what is that? We really want to know, and we, we want to know why. Some people turn their nose up at, but you're like, yeah, I like it. 
Yeah, I for don't this care. reason. Yep, I, I, I will, I will champion that film. I will die on this hill. Yeah. That is, that is. Ryan Seymour, give us a good reason to why, maybe yeah. like why it's a guilty pleasure yeah. and not like just a, a pleasure, like a one paragraph explainer. Would be great. Yes. Yeah, and that'd be great. But for now, that is the end of that conversation. And there you go. Those were some of our favorite film openings. No, by no way is the best. Not the best. We don't. We didn't. We couldn't possibly say one was better than the other. No. I don't believe in like ranking like the art was this one was the best one of this one. Like, what yeah. mood are you in? Where are you? Who are you with? Do you want to date like our friend? Yes, exactly. Evan in Oregon. Yeah. It was Evan, wasn't it? It was Evan in Oregon. Yeah. That's his whole name now. <laughs> Evan in Oregon. First name, Evan. Surname in we Oregon. Trevor from LA. Yeah. Evan in, Evan, Evan in Oregon. Yeah. He's in Oregon. He's not from, he's in. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know where he's from, but he's in. And then there's Tarby from Cape Town. Great. International, get in touch. <laughs> Okay, James, just a short game to end this episode. Let's do it. I'm going to give you a list of actors and you have to tell me what links these actors. Okay? okay. All right. So, James, what links these actors? Zachary Levy, Ben Mendelsohn, Idris Elba, Randall Park. Ryan Reynolds, J.K. Simmons, Taika Waititi. Hold on, hold on. J.K. Simmons. Lawrence Fishburne. Do you want me to slow down? Yeah, hold on. Taika Waititi. Do you want me to go again? Yeah, go again one more time. No, 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 that's fine. Keep going. Just read them out again. Again. Zachary Levy. Who's Zachary Levy again? What's he in? Can't tell you. Okay, fine. Go on. Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Idris Elba. Yeah. Randall Park. You know that? No. You heard about the we'll put up a picture. Ryan Reynolds. Do you know who Ryan Reynolds is? Yeah, yeah. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> J.K. Simmons. Okay. Taika Waititi. Lawrence Fishburne. Willem Dafoe. Michael Keaton. Spider-Man? No. No. I don't know how to just... No, oh, Ryan Reynolds. Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer. Ben Affleck. Halle Berry, Tom Hardy, and Christian Bale. DC? DC Comics? Batman? Because you got Warmer. Deadpool. Warmer. DC Superman? What about Superman? You're getting colder. Uh, Idris Elba. What connects all those actors? What do all those actors have in common? Like they've all been in superhero films. Warmer. They've all been in DC superhero films. They've Warmer. all been in... Warmer. Warmer. And... Marvel. They've done DC and Marvel? Yes, they've both oh. been in... Wait, what, Ryan? When, oh, he did Deadpool. Wait, what's Green the Lantern. DC thing? Green Lantern. Okay, so let's run through it now and right, explain okay. it. So, as James has quickly guessed... DC and Marvel. They've, these are actors who have both been in DC and Marvel God, films. That's so right? many actors. I know, I know. There's, there's many, <laughs> many more as well. All of all right. Zachary Levy was yes. in Shazam, DC, but okay. he was also in the first two Thors. That's Zachary Levy, yes. Yeah, right. Ben Mendelsohn was in Dark Knight Rises, and, and he's in Captain Marvel as the... Yeah, um, Skrull. Skrull. Yeah. Idris Elba. Star Wars, he's done. All right, that's not on this list. I know, but he's done the big three, um, isn't he? Idris Elba is uh, in Thor, uh, all the Thor films. Yes. Heimdall. And he's, done, yeah. and, he's done, and he's done the Suicide Squad. Deadshot. 
Randall Park is the agent from Ant Man, you know, who's in, also in One Division. Uh, apparently, apparently, he's also in uh, another DC property, which I can't remember. Ryan Reynolds, as we just said, Deadpool yeah, and Green, Green Lantern. Lantern. J.K. Simmons is in Spider Man, and also he's Commissioner Gordon in Justice yes. League, right? Yes. Taika Waititi is Korg in Thor, but also he's Ryan Reynolds' best friend in Green Lantern. Is it's, he? Uh, wow, yeah, yeah, I would I not have remembered. Yeah. Lawrence Fishburne is, is in A Man of Steel. And also, uh, what is he in Marvel? Lawrence Fishburne in Marvel. Well, this is how I should have done it, instead of explaining it to you, yeah. What is it? What else he's he in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Do you mean he's the guy uh, who's really big? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, you're right. Whose daughter's right. running amok, right? Yes, yes. Right, Willem Dafoe. Yeah, Green Goblin. And then he's also... Who's he in DC? Who's Willem Dafoe in DC? He is in Aquaman. Oh, of course, that's why, yeah. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Michael Keaton. Yeah, uh, he's the Vulture, and then he's Batman. Yep. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, yeah, Catwoman. And then... Um, what is she in Marvel? Um, bzz, 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 bzz. She's, she's, she's um, Hank Pym's wife. Oh, God, yeah. 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 Um, Again, like ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Stephen Daredevil. Daredevil yes, and then well Batman, done. yeah. Halle Berry. Catwoman. Yep. And then in Marvel, who is she in very Marvel? Very big one. Very big one. Very, very, very famous. Yeah, very famous. What am I forgetting? Naughties. Early noughties. What happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? Same thing that happens to everything else. What am I blanking on? A huge blind spot here, James. Come on, Halle Berry. Super, superpower, super, superhero. Oh, Storm. Yes. X-Men, yes. Yeah, Sorry, I was God. denied uh, X-Men. Yes, of course. Tom Hardy. Uh, yeah, Tom Hardy is Bone. And then he's also in... Um... Very recent. Oh, Venom. Yeah, Venom. Uh, and Christian Bale. Christian Bale is about to be in Thor Love and Thunder Correct. as something the God Killer. Yep. And he is Batman. Yep. So there you go. Whoa. There you go. Oh, God. That was tough, eh? But there is, there is overlap, yeah? There is, yeah. Oh, God, sellouts. How dare you? Yeah. No, they're just popular. That, will, that list will keep growing for yeah, many, for, many, for many years. Many years. I, I also feel like double paychecks for them. They're great. They've got hands on both teats. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're happy. <laughs> yeah. And then did you say Ben Mendelsohn with Star Wars as well? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, He's like with his foot yeah. steering the ship, steering his career. <laughs> I saw an interview with Christian Bale for the new Thor film. And this guy was like, hey, doing comic book movies again. Would you ever do another Batman film? And he said, look, I said to Chris Nolan, we both agreed after three films we're done. But if Chris was to come back, I'd do it. And if, he wanted, and if he wanted me back, I'd do it. Wow. But I think, I think I'm doing real Cockney uh, yeah. Christian Bale. You're probably doing like, alone, <laughs> yeah, alone, right? No, but I, like, but I think Christian Bale came out and said... Obviously, um, like a million people wrote, God, Christian Bale would do New Batman yeah, if yeah, Christian yeah, yeah. wanted him to shock horror. That um, was the story. I think Christian Bale said that he would... Uh, he's doing... He did... Thor, Love and Thunder. Well, he didn't want to do superhero films again, but then he saw the script and he loved it, right? And I find it saying, was the first line of the script, the, the digits on your check. <laughs> yeah, you know, the number of zeros. <laughs> there were seven zeros after this number. Oh wait, that's not the start of the <laughs> yeah, script. That's my page. Yeah. <laughs> five, 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 sort code, <laughs> account number. Um, excellent. Well, that's what connects those two. That's wow. just a little Yeah, that's game. more actors than I thought, but then again, I'm also not surprised. So there you go. So... There you go. That was another episode of Pop Kitchen. Thank you very much for listening to this one. Don't forget we post new episodes of this show every Wednesday and our reviews come out on Friday. Yes. 
And let us know your guilty pleasures. And also, go on TikTok, go on Instagram. We're there. Yeah, follow us on Instagram. Subscribe all kicking to us off on, on YouTube. There. It's all kicking off. Hit the notification bell if you want to know when we're posting. Yep. Uh, don't forget to email us, hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Yes. Um, we will see you next week. Great. Have a great, great. week. Go so have great. a great week wherever you are. 